everybody. Welcome to episode 48 of the Snake in the Drop podcast. I'm your host, Jacob Vines. You can find me on Twitter at jsnake underscore dff. In this episode, I have Matt Hicks coming on the podcast. You should be following him on Twitter at the ff underscore educator. He's the host of the Dynasty Draft Room podcast and focuses on Debbie content and tracking rookie fantasy football production. You can also find his work at patreon.com slash the ff educator. Today, we're going to be talking about 2021 rookie class outlook and how we can work on our own player evaluations of rookies. So welcome, Matt. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm excited to be on here. It is never too early to be talking about the 2021 class, so I'm excited to, to start digging into them. Yeah, I mean, I am too. I have, uh, we sort of talked before the show about people that have their retooling team, which I have a good bit of those, and people have their contending teams, and everybody you know is going to definitely be excited about rookies coming up, especially after this 2020 class, which we were saying probably set the bar really high for expectations in the future. Yeah, it's going to be a high bar to hit, and I think, you know, in some positions we might be just up there or even better, and in other positions I think we need to uh, have have different expectations when it comes into our rookie draft. So I think it'll still be a really good draft, but it's going to have a different character and a different feel than this last draft class. Gotcha. So uh, I actually haven't asked this question in a bit because I haven't had very many new guests on the podcast. But one question I do ask every guest is what is one hobby that you really enjoy doing that does not relate to fantasy football? Yeah, this is a, that's a great question. Uh, it hasn't as much been because of the pandemic, because it's just uh, very demotivating for me, like most people probably in general. Uh, but uh, since uh, probably about four or five years ago, I picked up running. And I never thought I would be somebody who would be interested in running. <laughs> but I have, uh, I found a real uh, joy in that in running. I actually, the it's a, it's a time for me to listen to a lot of my podcasts. I, I enjoy listening to fantasy football, football podcasts, wall running. Uh, it's kind of like a two for one for me, but um, I found that I'm a very race motivated person. So with not a lot of races this year, I've kind of fallen off a little bit, but uh, yeah, the last four or five years, uh, you know, finding a competitive outlet through that and a self-competitive outlet, not even, you know, worrying about placing in races or anything like that, but just that self-competition. So that's been a really uh, fun hobby for me outside of football the last three, four years. Nice. Yeah, I love that. One thing I did that was a little crazy is I trained for a sprint triathlon, actually, which is uh, 5K, 750-meter swim, I think, and a 10-mile bike, I think. But, uh, yeah, if, you, if you're if you into biking and swimming as well, I definitely, definitely liked the triathlon and that it wasn't a ton of, like, one thing. But then again, I will say that like I ran a 5K and the goal was like under, under uh, what was it, 27 minutes was what I wanted. And I ended up getting like 26, 25. And that's the best feeling in the world whenever you beat your your PR and you're like, let's go. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Yeah, that's fantastic. I think the longest I've done, the longest uh, competitive race I've done was 12 miles. And yeah, after, after you know, this, you break that two hour mark, you're like, I'm still doing this? Like, what is going on here? <laughs> Oh, that's great. Was that, I, I guess that'd be probably a half marathon is what you did, right? Just under. I know. I uh, I was training for a half this year. I was supposed to do my half this year um, and it ended up getting canceled. But uh, yeah, it's a, it was a 12 mile race and a half is 13-1. So, gotcha. um, I, you know, it was this close. It was this close. So I almost <laughs> did a half marathon. You just need to just keep running a mile past the stops thing. And I, <laughs> I thought about it, but my legs didn't agree with that idea by the time I, I hit 12. So. Yeah, I can understand that. I The most I've ever ran is like seven miles at one time. And that was, you do definitely get in an interesting mental space. It's like a Zen space for a bit. But yeah, you get tired quick. I'm with yeah, you. You have to hit your waves and you got to love your waves, right? Yeah, like your third, your third wave is usually... Probably, yeah, you're probably about on your third wave by the time you get seven miles. And that's, I think that was probably the toughest between like seven to 10 was probably the toughest part of the race. Gotcha. All right. So getting to fantasy football content, talking about rookies. So I first want to talk about some player evaluation. So when you look at players, how do you evaluate players throughout college as well as coming out of college? And do you mainly focus on film or do you combine some film and analytics together? Yeah, that's such a good question. Um, so I'm on my, this is my third year of, of grading and intentionally going through rookies. Um, I had done it for about a year beforehand, not as intentionally, um, but the last three years I've, I've worked to refine my, my grading process. And last year 
I felt really comfortable with where I was at, but I actually did do some tweaking on top of that. And I really take a holistic approach to it, but it is based in film. Um, but what I have done is I have created a system here um, and I've worked on it, developed it along with my, my um, you know, fellow analysts at nicedraftroom.com. But I've developed a formula uh, for watching tape that translates specifically to fantasy football. So I've identified, uh, depending on the position, I have uh, different parameters for every position, uh, six or seven different factors that I have found translates best to not only the NFL game, but also for fantasy football. And so I take those seven factors and I put different weights on them to create a grade out of 100. And so I know you were talking about subscribing to the Patreon earlier, and you could see that tape grade is in there for each player. Uh, and that's really the foundation of each player's uh, position on my rookie big board. But I will take other things into account too. Um, you know, I'm fortunate to have, have a, a, a decent uh, ear to the ground when it comes to getting an idea, a legitimate idea of what some of these NFL teams are feeling like on some prospects. So I'm able to kind of put some NFL draft projections on there. And we know draft capital is important, right? Um, it leads to opportunity. So I'm able to factor that in. And I factor some other things in there. You know, we take into account character reports. We take into account, um, you know, are they invited to the Senior Bowl, the, which is a, a showcase game for um, seniors coming out. That has proven to be an event that could skyrocket someone's stock. And so even somebody who may not be super high right now, if I see they have a Senior Bowl invite, you know, Baker Mayfield uh, in the 2018 class, um, he was not going to be the QB1 before the Senior Bowl. The heat, that really launched his draft stock. And so looking ahead at some guys who are in the middle of the pack, you know, a guy like Jamie Newman, for instance, right? Um, you know, transfers to Georgia, doesn't end up playing, opts out. A lot of question marks around him. He does have a Senior Bowl invite. And so for me, I know that shows the NFL is interested because the Senior Bowl only invites folks who um, have legitimate NFL draft projections. So Jamie Newman is a guy who's a little bit higher on my board still than you're going to see for most folks' board because I'm projecting forward with that. And so, you know, my board, it, it's founded in tape. I'm, I have about um, 50, I think eight, I think I have 58 tape grades in right now. Each player gets between two and, and eight games of tape on them, depending on what I can get my hands on. Uh, so I, I watch a lot of tape, ends up being a couple of hundred games every year. Um, and it really kind of helps give a really good feel on these guys. So that's kind of the process that comes along with it. It is an ongoing process. Guys get moved up and down a lot, but it's founded in tape. And it, I do have a specific formula that I've developed over time, kind of tweaked it, refined it, that helps you know push that fantasy football specific translation. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. And speaking of Jamie Newman, where do you have measure QB rank right now for 2021? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm just scrolling down here. I'm going to find them for you. Um, so, you know, Jamie Newman, I loved his tape. I really did his last tape. I was so excited to see him at Georgia. Uh, right now he's 38th overall on my big board and he's QB seven for me. Um, and a lot of folks have kind of just set him aside as an afterthought. I still have him as a day two NFL draft projection right now. Because I really think that what he's gonna he's gonna show up to the senior bowl, in my opinion. I you know, we have high character reports. He's 6'4, 230. He's got a big arm and he's mobile. And the NFL loves toolsy quarterbacks. At the end of the day, um, that goes so far. There was no reason Jordan Love should have gotten drafted in the first round. Why did he get drafted in the first round? Because the kid's got a cannon, right? And so <laughs> you got a big arm. That gets you far. If you add mobility and athleticism to that, which Jamie Newman has, that's a huge bump as well. And then he has a really solid mechanical foundation to him. Those are the things NFL teams are going to be interested in. Now, he has mental processing, uh, things that he needs to develop on. His accuracy is not quite consistent. Decision-making, questionable. But every NFL team thinks that they can fix a quarterback. And so... I would be shocked unless Jamie Newman goes to the senior bowl and bombs. I would be shocked if he's not a day two NFL draft pick. And at that point, whether he's a starter, most likely a backup, he's at least going to have some legitimate fantasy football uh, prospects, you know, whether it's in two years or three years, I expect Jamie Newman's going to get a shot at starting in the league. Gotcha. Awesome. So uh, next question is with talking about, you have like certain characteristics or things that you're looking at for players 
let's say let's just do like two positions like running back and wide receiver if you're fine giving this info but what do you rate or what do you weight the highest for when watching film for say a running back and a wide receiver yeah so uh without giving away you know really the specific weights what i will say is that i really take into account not only so let me phrase it this way i think one of my biggest mistakes when i first started grading out prospects was that i was really focusing on what i thought was important right uh, and I think that led to um, some mistakes in, in, in not leading with what the NFL finds important, because I think, you know, you need to recognize that you are not the talent evaluator, right? You are not the one who uh, whose job is on the line, right? Who is evaluating and drafting these kids. Uh, so a perfect example of that is Kelvin Harmon. I love Kelvin Harmon. I think Kelvin Harmon's a great wide receiver, but I ignored some of the things that the NFL finds important. Separation, separation especially if you don't have a high um, a high 40 time, right? Separation is going to kill you in the league. And that is why Kelvin Harmon fell to the sixth round, because when you're running routes, it's not just about running your route tree and technique and having good footwork. It's also about can you separate uh, off the line of scrimmage and can you separate downfield? Kelvin Harmon could not separate at the catch point. As great of a jump ball, uh, contested catch type guy, he couldn't separate at the catch point. Um, so I have work through my formula to help kind of uh, really weight the characteristics um, for a position that I found the NFL appreciates. Now, you know, if we're looking at the wide receiver position, you know, I'm happy to give the category. So I look at speed acceleration, athleticism, route running, contested catch, um, catching or his hands in general, yards after catch ability and blocking. And, you know, one of the other things that I look at is what makes a rookie successful, right? So a really good example of this, if we're talking about the wide receiver position, is C.D. Lamb. I love C.D. Lamb. You know, I I have been shouting to the rooftops. He was my wide receiver one from the start. I loved him. In college at Oklahoma, his yards after catchability was ridiculous. That's how he won. Um, And I think what we've consistently found looking at things, whether it's Nikhil Harry, whether it's C.D. Lamb, and C.D. Lamb has been successful in his first year, even with Andy Dolan and Ben DiNucci and whoever the heck is throwing the ball for Dallas – He's been successful, but it's not with his yak ability. It's really difficult for these young rookie wide receivers to translate that yards after catch ability because the defenders in the league do not leave as much space. They don't miss tackles in the same way as they do in college. And so as much as we covet yards after catch ability in general in the league, it is not as heavily weighted for me this year as it was in the past because even players who are really good at it, like CeeDee Lamb, that's not how they're scoring their fantasy points. And so I really do kind of take a critical eye every year. And that's that's one of the biggest things with scouting. You can't look behind. You can't, you know, look four or five years down the road. You kind of got to look at last year and you got to look at where the league is going. And so that's kind of how you find trends and how you get ahead of the game. Yeah, I really like how you mentioned that you look at what the actual NFL is doing. And that's why I think in general dra- where players are drafted has like the highest likelihood of players hitting, you know, it's because that's what the NFL actually feels about the players, or at least the teams do. And I think that's a lot of the issues related to some fantasy analysts, including myself, as we think, oh, we're so smart. We see this, we know that. And then it's like, we're not the ones giving the million dollar contracts. Like that's not who we are. We're playing a separate game that is a lot more luck than a lot of people want to say it is. Yes, you can have definite skill and notice certain trends and such like we're trying to talk about now, but uh, I, I really like that point because then you're you're focusing on the actual NFL. So, yeah. and then one of the things you know, one of the things that I get all the time is when you don't like a player, then everyone thinks you just hate that player, right? So, like Jalen Rager last year, I did not like Jalen Rager last year. We want to talk about separation issues, you know, if we want to talk about uh, not having good hands, all those things were present with Jalen Rager, and I every time I tweeted out those concerns, it was like, oh, we got a Rager hater, we hate Rager, and I'm like. I don't know. I don't think the NFL likes Rager as much as we did. And the reports came out that it was it was Philadelphia bidding against themselves to take him in the first round. And we've seen those issues with Rager now. Right. So uh, but it kind of when you pull yourself away from that, it does kind of help with that emotional side of things. Like Rashad Bateman is a guy I'm not as high on as most folks. It seems like in fantasy football Twitter this year. And let me tell you, Gophers Twitter uh, lets me know that they disapprove of that take. And I'm like, I like Rashad Bateman. I do. I think he's a fun player, but I'm just, I'm pulling myself out of it 
and, you know, kind of trying to give a more neutral perspective because I have found myself too overly invested in some of these players and thinking that I know more than I really do. So I find when you really remove yourself and listen to the NFL more, um, it really kind of helps guide your evaluation. Yeah. Yeah. I really like that. So now I'm getting to a more fun question. What is your favorite sci-fi series? Could be movies, TV shows. That's a really good question. Um, I love nerdy crap. <laughs> like pretty much, I don't know if it counts as sci-fi. Is Game of Thrones count as sci-fi? It's in the nerdy category. Fantasy, but I, I mean, if you want to talk about Game of Thrones, we can. I'm, I'm a fan of Game of Thrones a lot. The last season was disappointing, which everybody, you know, feels that way pretty much. Uh, last yeah. season was trash, but man, I can't. It's been what a couple years, and I can't think of another show that's pulled me in in that same way. Nope. Uh, I don't know. I love this show, man. I feel like it was like a huge part, like it was a huge time period of my life. So uh, that's probably what I would say. I know it's not exactly sci-fi, but uh, that's probably what, what what would jump to mind for me. Hey, that, that works. And I'm definitely with you in that. I compare a lot of series to like Game of Thrones or Game of Thrones-like uh, things. Like, And that's why I've talked about this on another podcast, but like even the show Mandalorian, I'm not a huge fan of it. I love Star Wars, but it, it doesn't pull you in. I, I watch an episode and I'm just upset at how lackluster it is. And everybody loves it. And I don't, I don't know, maybe it's just Star Wars during a pandemic. That's what everybody keeps telling me that I don't <laughs> like it. But, uh, yeah, I won't get on a Star Wars rant anyway. So, so going into the 2021 class, how does that, this coming up class compared to the 2020 class, from what I've heard, it's more QB heavy, but running back is not as deep. Yeah. So I think, the easiest way to kind of characterize a class is to kind of talk about the different positions. And I think that really drives, um, you know, the, the character of the class. And I think one of the things that really drives the character of the class, especially if you play in super flex leagues, which, you know, I really, I really prefer super flex leagues. It's really looking at the QB, uh, QB room. And so, you know, starting with the QB class, Trevor Lawrence, I'm sure you've been hearing it for a while you know, truly one of the best quarterback prospects we've seen uh, in the last 10 years. Some like to say that it's the best prospect since uh, Andrew Luck. Some like to go back even further and say it's really one of the best prospects we've seen from the quarterback position. So having that 101 in a super flex league is very, very valuable this year. Um, and, and you can't understate that. I like to put it, you know, right. I don't think the gap to QB two is as far back as a lot of folks think. And he doesn't get a lot of credit. A lot of people like to scout the helmet and say they're not interested in an Ohio state quarterback, but Justin Fields is a really, really strong prospect for me. Six, two, two Uh Justin Fields was actually the second highest recruit in his class. Second only to Trevor Lawrence. Both of them came from the state of Georgia so it was a really intense quarterback situation there. Uh, two guys uh, coming out. Uh, Justin Fields has one of the best arms in the class, uh, you know, um, in terms of being able to stretch the ball down the field just as uh, just as far, uh, if not further, than Trevor Lawrence. He's got real nice deep field accuracy to go along with that arm strength. He has better mechanics than Trevor Lawrence, absolutely. Uh, he has really nice touch and anticipation on his ball at times. He struggles with the mental processing, decision-making side of the game, though. And I think that's really evident. You watch the Indiana game this year. He's not as far along as you would like. And so, uh, you know, it is going to um, – it's going to take some coaching at the next level. He's going to have to translate. I don't think we should expect him to come out week one of the 2021 season and light up the world. That being said, I think he's going to be a really, really solid prospect. And then – we start to get into a really interesting conversation with the quarterback after those two. I, you know, for most folks, that's one or two. Some people are going to be hot takey, not want to take Justin Fields. I think that's probably going to be for conversation more than anything. Then you get down to this next tier, guys, with Trey Lance and Zach Wilson. And I think it is a clear tier one and then tier two uh, with Trey Lance and Zach Wilson being high upside guys. Uh, Trey Lance, I mean, an absolute cannon of an arm. Coming from North Dakota State, he doesn't have a lot of experience as a starter. He has one full season in 2019. He absolutely lit it up. But again, North Dakota State, FCS competition. Um, but what we've heard is that the NFL does not care that he was playing at North Dakota State. They feel he is NFL ready. Um, and I do have a day one projection on him, first round draft projection. 6'3", 221. On top of having a cannon, he is a true mobile athlete. Not quite Kyler Murray mobile, 
but you can have design runs. He's really running with the ball. Justin Fields is mobile. Trey Lance is athletic. Uh, and so he really can have those design runs. He's powerful when he runs. Um, again, he's playing FCS guys, but you can see him truck guys, uh, which is kind of wild to see your quarterback trucking linebackers and DBs. Even if you're playing FCS, I don't care. So he's got the arm strength. He's got the mobility, the athleticism. He's a high, high upside prospect. He's not ready to play in the league yet. He's raw. His mechanics need to be refined. He's got to get more comfortable in the pocket. I don't want him to start year one in the NFL, uh, but we've seen how that goes and the patience that comes along with teams. But I think Trey Lance is a high future, probably a mid to late first round pick. And then Zach Wilson is the hotness. He's the guy rising up this year. There's a lot to like about Zach Wilson, 6'3", 205. I mean, he's got he's a gunslinger. He is he is your classic gunslinger in every sense of the word, man. Not afraid to throw the ball anywhere for better or for worse. He's got real nice arm strength. He can fire at 60 yards, maybe not 60, 50 yards downfield the same way that he can throw it on a rope in the short field. Uh comfortable in the pocket. He's mobile as well. Not great on design runs, but he he's good on a broken down run. Um, and so he would be in my next quarterback tier right there. And then it starts to get a little questionable. You know, Kyle Trask, some folks are high on him. I'm not so much. Mac Jones is fine. Um, you know, and then we get into Jamie Newman and work down like that. So it's a good it's a good quarterback class, but it's, it's a small tier at the top, and then you're getting a little risky. And, again, we're going to wait to see what the NFL tells us, right? Uh, is Trey Lance a top 10 pick? That's going to be a, a dang good endorsement from the NFL. I'll move him higher. I don't think he's going to be there. I think he's probably going to be somewhere in the twenties. Right. And so that tells me we're waiting a little while to get him. So, you know, in terms of the quarterbacks, it's a strong class. It's going to push it. It's not our best class ever. I don't want us to get into the idea that it's the, it's the Baker, the Lamar Jackson, Sam Darnold year. Uh, I don't think it's quite that high, um, but it's going to be a little bit deeper than last year where it was really burrow into a, and then, you know, what do we want to do after that? I like Justin Herbert. A lot of folks did it. So, um, you know, in terms of that, uh, that's kind of what's going to drive the class for QBs. So I think it's going to be two guys at the top. And then I think right behind it, it's going to be Etienne and Harris for two reasons. Etienne uh, from Clemson, the running back, Najee Harris, the running back from Alabama, both really talented guys. I think they're both going to be difference making running backs could go late day one, early day two in the NFL draft. Um, but on top of that, there's a drop-off. After those two guys, it's falling off a fantasy cliff. And that's not to say there aren't talented running backs, but you could ask 10 different draft guys right now who the running back three in this class is, and you're probably going to get eight different answers. You know, you could do Javante Williams from North Carolina. Right now, it's Javion Hawkins from Louisville for me. That's not a, a you know consensus opinion by any means. Uh, Khalil Herbert out of Virginia Tech is a name that's rising up the board. Um, you know, some folks still like Kenny Gainwell out of Memphis who opted out of this year, but is, is a draft Twitter favorite. CJ Burdell is underrated out of Oregon. So you're going to get a ton of different um, options for your running back three through six. And it's going to be a lot of dealer's choice. You know, what do you like as a fantasy player? And so it's going to be really important to listen into these analysts and listen into this and, and make your own decision about the type of player that you want on your team. And of course, you know, it goes without saying, but landing spot, you know, what NFL team they end up with is going to be huge. And then the wide receiver class is really the heart and strength of this class. It is so deep. You could go 12 guys deep and give me legitimate NFL fantasy football producing wide receivers. You're going to go into the third and fourth round of your rookie drafts with guys that I love. You might get Kadarius Toney in the late first round, early third round of your rookie drafts. And that is not knocking Kadarius Tony. He's going to be a great, you know, gadget type player at the NFL level. You know, a guy like Anthony Schwartz is going to go to the combine, rip a high 40 time, and he might sneak into the second round of your drafts. But there's also, you know, all your more quote blue chip guys, your Jamar Chases, your Jalen Waddles, Terrace Marshall, Devontae Smith. We're looking at a situation where we could see five, six wide receivers go in the first round of the NFL draft this year. But when we translate that over to your rookie drafts, you know, I think we're not going to see him come off the board right away because there are going to be so many options where there's not going to be as many options with quarterback and running back. Um, and so I think that if you are looking right now, if you're, you know, still in the playoffs, <laughs> then you're probably going to be figuring out which one of these wide receivers you want to go for, because that's probably who's going to be around for you. And then, 
you know, it can't be it can't be left as an afterthought. Last year, we left the tight ends as an afterthought. We can't leave the tight ends as an afterthought this year. I mean, Kyle Pitts is lighting the or lighting college football on fire right now. Half the time, I think that he can be a wide receiver at the NFL level. He's 6'5", 239. And so, you know, I think he could go to Arizona and play wide receiver. I really do. And I think some teams might uh, actually do that. I introduced a new concept in my uh, rookie board this year when I'm grading guys out. And I, I'm, and I actually am labeling some players as athletes in a similar way to when they're recruited from high school to college. They're listed as athletes. Right now, I have Kyle Pitts listed as an athlete because that's really what he is. Uh, he's not a traditional tight end. He's scared to block. Uh, he gets driven off the ball by defensive backs in the SEC. I've seen that multiple times, but there's nobody who's going to catch a better ball out there that's 6'5 than, than Kyle Pitts. And so he's a really interesting type prospect, but go even deeper. Brevin Jordan, Pat Frermuth, and then, uh, you know, the class kind of fizzles out a little bit from there, but still plenty of tight end talent as we move into the later rounds. So it's going to be a really, really deep draft class. And I've been tweeting for months, get your second round picks, get your third round picks. Don't overpay for first round picks right now, but get as many second and thirds as you can. Cause I promise you, you're going to get guys in the second and third round that are going to hit just like Antonio Gibson is hitting, but better just like Gabriel Davis is hitting, but better. So that's where a lot of this value is going to be in this year's draft. I know that was a long rant, so I apologize. <laughs> I think that was a, a really great breakdown because you mentioned a ton of names. I'm like, who? Just because I haven't, I'm not super, uh, I don't really watch a ton of college football and I'm not super well known to different colleges in general, but you made me think of a ton of questions like, okay, Kyle Pitts, let's say he goes and he changes to wide receiver. Where would he change rank wise? Cause I think part of the reason he's so highly ranked is because he's this tight end prospect. But if he switched the wide receiver, where does he go for you? Right, exactly. And so that's why, you know, I really struggled with this. And I, you know, I've, I've gotten into a lot of debates on Twitter, it, it, which is fine. I, I'm always happy to talk about prospects, but I love Brevin Jordan, the tight end from Miami. I think he's super athletic. He is a more traditional tight end mold, but he's definitely a pass catching tight end. You know, he's kind of got an Evan Ingram feel to him. And I mean that in the best way. I know Evan Ingram is a little debatable right now, but um you know, I really like Brevin Jordan, uh, maybe a little bit more of a Noah fan. Maybe that would be a better comparison. But, um, you know, for me, he's been my tight end one a while because I'm concerned about some of these other things like blocking. But as the NFL progresses, we know you don't have to be TJ Hawkinson, right? You don't have to be able to smash somebody in the face and catch a ball. And so Kyle Pitts for me, I kept saying he wasn't my tight end one because he didn't look like a tight end to me. And so once I moved him off that and gave him an, the athlete designation, you know, now he's the top guy in his grouping. He's the top athlete on my board. And so I think sometimes taking away that position, you know, you take away some of the labels that comes along with a player. And that is a lot of right. The NFL telling us what they want to do. You know, there's not a lot of NFL teams just using one tight end anymore. There's not a lot of NFL teams that, or, you know, making sure their tight end is set in line or, you know, would they move them around now? Um, and so a lot of teams, they want to move him outside, but it's going to end up being scheme, you know? So I don't care if you call him a tight end or a wide receiver, show me how you're going to use him. I mean, half the time in Miami, Mike Kosecki is a wide receiver, right? Like that's appealing for us. And we saw what that could look like uh, just yesterday, this past weekend, we saw what that two and a Gusecki connection can look like. So you know, I found peeling back those labels can kind of help me a little bit and kind of take away a little bit of the bias that comes along with, you know, when you think a tight end, you think they should be able to smash somebody in the face, but that doesn't necessarily, you know, if he goes to Arizona, like I said, or, um, you know, any, any kind of creative minded system, uh, you know, he doesn't necessarily have to be able to put his hand in the dirt and drive someone back if that's not what they're going to ask him to do. So it's going to really come down to, to their, their scheme and what team they land on. And then you never know, man. We always get a surprise or two on draft night, right? Antonio Gibson uh, played mostly wide receiver at Memphis, and they went up and Roger Goodell called his name out as a running back, and everyone was like, whoa, 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 did he say running back? Like, did I hear that right? So it, sometimes, again, it's the NFL telling us what we what what we need to hear. So I, I currently, are you leaning towards Pitts keeping that tight end designation? Because that's probably the main thing, especially with fantasy, because the tight end's just like, it's a wasteland, honestly. You got your top three guys, and then you have those three to four guys that come out of nowhere typically that are more middle tier, like Tanya and Logan Thomas. 
uh, I'd say those are like the main two that come to the top of my head with like the middle tier guys, including uh, like, I mean, Austin Hooper hasn't done crap this year. Uh, <laughs> uh, I can't, it, nobody's coming to my brain right now, but anyways, do you think he'll keep his designation of that tight end most likely, or are you a little bit nervous about it? At this point, you know, he most likely keeps his tight end designation. One of the big steps in the in the NFL draft draft process is the combine in Indianapolis. And it's not just for them running. It's actually when they do their official weigh-ins. And, you know, for those folks who aren't as familiar with the NFL draft process, uh, this might sound a little weird um, or like unorthodox. Um, but there's actually a part in the NFL draft process where they do the weigh-ins where they actually have them come out uh, and stand in front of all the scouts and evaluators just in their boxers. Uh, and I know it sounds a little funny, but the reason is, uh, you know, a guy can be 240 uh, and carry his weight a lot differently than another guy who's 240, right? Like DK Metcalf yeah. isn't carrying his weight in the same way that, like, you know, some of the lighter linebackers or edge players are carrying their weight. And so it's going to be really interesting when Pitts goes and weighs in uh, in Indianapolis and, and, you know, does that full evaluation, what NFL teams think. And it could be a situation where, you know, he's on, you know, not every player is going to be on every NFL team's board. So Kyle Pitts could be on 20 teams boards as a tight end, maybe two or three boards as a wide receiver. I think he's most likely a tight end and that's what we're most likely to hear his name called. But, you know, what does that even mean for different teams? So, you know, when you're thinking about, all right, um, you know, I know uh, who is the player, Jalen, Jalen Samuels, who was like the, there was yeah, a really, yeah. there was really end, controversial dude. player this year. I think in terms of the way, oh, know, this year. That's, that's what it was. Year, yeah. That's what it was. Yeah. I, when you're thinking of what your fantasy platform is going to say, it's probably going to say tight end. Um, but, you know, I, I think that is to be, to be determined, you know, at some level right now. <laughs> Gotcha. Cool. Quick question as well. Are you nervous about Lawrence not coming out? You know, people speculate about it. I think he'll come out. I don't really see why he wouldn't. Are you thinking the same idea? Yeah, I think there's no doubt he comes out. I mean, okay. he's got he's got nothing left to prove. He's already got a national championship. He's already been in a second college football playoff. Uh, I, you know, I think that's people speculating. Listen, the, if Trevor Lawrence doesn't come out, the Jets might just pick him in 2022. So <laughs> I think I think if anything, you know, maybe we have some Eli Manning-esque drama, but I have no reason to believe that. I'm just saying I think that would be more likely than him not coming out and getting his, you know, major paycheck, uh, which, you know, that that rookie contract first overall is enough to make your career right then. So I think he'll be just fine coming out. Awesome. So with talking about like super flex rookie drafts, you already mentioned like get your second round picks. Let's say like with how you project uh, the players to come out, because we won't know for sure until I think it's Jan or February, whenever they actually commit. But where do you see that like very large tier break? Because I remember in last year, it was around the 1.05 or it was probably 1.06, 1.07, where people had their large tier breaks where it was definite drop down. Uh, do you have it to where it may go into the second round just because of all those wide receivers? Is that sort of where you're looking at it? I think in terms of names that people are going to get fired up about, I think we can easily go 11 picks. And in 12, yeah. 12 if Zach Wilson is a first-round pick. When I'm looking at my first round, the way I have my guys ranked right now, it's Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, Jamar Chase, Najee Harris, Travis Etienne, Jalen Waddell, Terrace Marshall, Trey Lance, Devonta Smith, Rondale Moore. That's the 10 that I feel confident that somebody in your league is going to get jacked up about, right? Like those are high excitement, high impact, high potential type players. And then I think Kyle Pitts is going to fall into that. There's going to be somebody in your league that jumps on Kyle Pitts and wants to take him in the first round. And that's completely fine for a lot of the reasons we just talked about tight end landscape is an, is an absolute desolate wasteland, right? So assuming he is classified as a tight end, uh, yeah, I, I, I think everyone's going to want to get a little action on that. And then you got Zach Wilson. And I think if Zach Wilson is a first rounder, then you're going to get excited about him no matter what, too. Like there were people uh, who wanted to take Jordan Love in the first round this last year. And I think Zach Wilson is uh, leaps and bounds ahead of, of, of Jordan Love as a prospect, right? So I think we easily can get through the first round uh, with without a real tier break. Now, that being said, 
you know, Lawrence, Fields, Etienne, and Harris are probably going to be a tier break of their own, um, you know, really at the top. But then that second tier is not going to be uh, – you're not, you're not going to be struggling too bad. Let's put it that way if you get one of these other guys. It's a deep class. Awesome. Yeah, that's definitely – exciting because i remember yeah last year like even in the second round especially if we look back now like you had t higgins you had iuk you had mims on the second round and now everybody's like oh i want them on my team especially with how like iuk has been playing uh it's always it's always nice to see those deeper classes and i think that's part of the reason you probably enjoy superflex that's why i enjoy superflex is it makes it go about two to three players deeper uh i will say i'm digging into some uh superflex hit rates and they're not crazy different though then like and that's from the span of 2014 to 2019 not crazy different it's like one more player a year um but i will say that the 2020 class is probably gonna kick the door down and it'll be crazy high and then we could see 2021 class be a little bit higher as well especially to wide receivers uh but then again uh it's just super interesting going class to class because yeah i think looking at hit rates are important to set up expectations, like to not just sell everything for the picks, but uh, you make you you make a great point, Matt, with just showing how deep classes are. And I bet you were saying similar stuff last year with the 2020 class and how it can be an exciting time to have, especially those second round picks. Yeah, man. And as much as I could sit here and I could I could rant about any of these, you know, first twelve, any of the names that I just listed off, their names you're going to hear a ton. And, you know, I could sit here and rant about them, but what I love about this, what I love about doing all this research, watching all this tape, getting to know all these guys, watching all this college football is I love, man, when you hit on that third round guy, when you hit on that late second round, it feels so good. You know, I have Gabriel Davis on just about every team because everyone let him fall third round, fourth round in the value that you get on a third round rookie pick. I mean, people give those away for free. And I have a I have a legitimate starter in the playoffs, a lot of my playoff rosters, and I'm slotting in Gabriel Davis because just about damn near everyone is injured, right? At this point, even on your playoff teams. And Gabriel <laughs> Davis is putting up, you know, a touch. I think he scored a touchdown in, in the last four weeks or something like that. So, you know, that is the kind of that's what makes the difference on your teams. Yeah, obviously DeAndre Swift and uh Jonathan Taylor are helping you right now, but at the cost you know, Gabriel Davis is, is helping you exponentially more. And so that's what I love about this man hitting on those type of picks. That's what makes the real difference on your teams. Yeah. Awesome. So now to uh, another fun question, do you have a favorite musical or play that you've either seen on TV or in person or anything like that? Yeah, this is a fun question. I actually, uh, I live in Maryland now. Um, but originally uh, I'm from Connecticut, actually, and I'm from the south, uh, kind of southwest part of Connecticut. So, you know, I have pretty easy, I grew up with a pretty easy access to New York City. So I've, I've seen a couple Broadway shows uh, and I I got to see, it was a really cool show. Uh, it was called, I believe the title was American Idiot, but they had made a musical uh, about, you know, it was, it was in, you know, inspired by Green Day. It was an entire storyline and Green Day was one of my favorite bands growing up. And I think we actually saw it on like the opening week of the show. And during the last, uh, during the last scene or, or, you know, I don't know the technical term. I should know it. Uh, during the last uh, song green, like actual green day came out uh, and, and did the last song. And it was like a surprise. They weren't actually part of the show, but because it was opening week, they actually came out. Nobody knew about it until it happened. So that was probably, I mean, that was like the best experience for me. Uh, you know, going to a show, actually being there on Broadway and Green Day came out. And, you know, that was one of my favorite bands growing up. So that was a really cool experience. Yeah, that, that's awesome. Yeah, I just looked it up. Yeah, American Idiot. That's that was, I think, one of their albums as well. So, yeah, that's that's definitely awesome being that close to Broadway for sure. I'm, I'm a born and raised and live in Texas. So I'm uh, very many miles away. <laughs> <laughs> I know it was one of the things I don't think I realized until I left the region, you know, just how special it was to only be an hour and a half train ride from New York. You know, it was like every year we went and saw the tree in Rockefeller Center. We'd go to a show, you know, or, you know, I grew up a Yankees fan and, you know, we'd go to old Yankee Stadium. The new one, don't even get me started on it, but old Yankee Stadium, such a such a great, you know, atmosphere. You know, you take those things for granted until 
Uh, I lived in Tennessee for a couple years too. So you go down to the South and you're like, damn, it is four hours to another city. Like what is going on down here? <laughs> so uh, yeah, it's definitely, it's nice to be, uh, you know, you appreciate growing up so close to big cities. Yeah, that's, that's definitely awesome. I'm a little bit jealous. So uh, I'm going to, I'm going to force you to be really concise about one player. So who is your top player that you think is going to be under the radar in May rookie drafts? And obviously if their draft capital is higher then they'll obviously get bumped up, but who's your, your top guy right now, or, or your, your most, your favorite player that you can mention. All right. So I'm going to, I'm intentionally picking some, you said I can only pick one. So I'm intentionally picking somebody who's not going to be in the first round um, in that. Oh, I'm choosing between two guys. Um, all right. Well, you tell me, do you want me to talk about the running back or the wide receiver? I'll let you, you know, choose your own adventure. Let's do, let's do running back. Okay. All right. We'll do the running back then. I mentioned him a little bit earlier. So my running back three is Javion Hawkins out of Louisville. I am really excited about Javion Hawkins. And so, uh, comes in at five, nine, one ninety six, And I'm going to repeat that five, nine, one ninety six. Javion Hawkins, a lot of folks have this perception of him. So when he came into his, uh, I believe it was his true sophomore year, he weighed in at a buck 50 and he was way undersized and he never really played undersized, but that was the weight that a lot of folks were listing him at for a while. He came to college and, and he blew up. He put on a ton of weight. And so he does, he's weighed in multiple times for Louisville, 195. He might come into the combine uh, anywhere from 190 to 200, but he has legitimate mass behind him. And so that's kind of a common narrative that I've pushed aside. Um, he is a super high upside uh, flash of really incredible potential, explosive, consistent athleticism. He navigates the field with a ton of fluid, fluidity, great vision. Uh, that Louisville offensive line does him no favors, but he makes a play. Uh, multiple times, he's changed field uh, with no business gaining any yard and breaking off for a touchdown. My favorite part of him, I mentioned 5'9", 195. Some of the best contact balance in this class. There is not a defender that drags him down on the first hit. Doesn't matter if they're hitting him high. Doesn't matter if they're hitting him low. Low center of gravity does not get knocked off, of course, easily. He's got good strength, better acceleration downfield. And here's the thing about him, and this is why he's going to slide a little bit. He doesn't have a ton of pass-catching stats, and so he's going to get left behind by a lot of folks. But one of the biggest um, things that I try to remind folks when they're projecting out, especially running backs, but any draft prospect, don't knock a prospect because they're not showing you something they weren't asked to do in college. The Louisville running or the Louisville offense is a run heavy offense. The quarterback is a scrambler. They run first. Uh, they use multiple running backs. And so they don't ask Javion Hawkins to catch the ball because when they do throw the ball, they have two good wide receivers there, Tutu Atwell uh, and Des Fitzpatrick. And so those were the only guys that they were really throwing the ball to. It would, they were not dropping it off to Hawkins. And when they do, he's got good hands. But he's not. it's not going to show up in the box score. It's not going to show up in the stats. So I'm not worried about his hands. I actually think with his skill set, he will be a really dynamic PPR type back. Um, you know, I don't love comps, but so there's not somebody who's clearly coming to mind. But he's strong and he can catch the ball. He's there at my running back three for me right now. And like I said, you're going to ask 10 people and get 10 different running back threes. But right now for me, it's Javion Hawkins. And like I said, he's fast. If he comes into the combine and runs in the four forwards, especially if it's mid or low four fours, um, he's going to do really well. I've been projected to be a day two guy right now. Awesome. Yeah. If that happens, he's going to, he's going to skyrocket similar to how we mentioned Antonio Gibson. You know, he was a, he was a day two pick and everybody's like, ah, do we really trust the dude? You know, he's mainly receiver this and that. So yeah, I, I love the call and definitely, you know, I'll, I'll be excited to, to listen to your content in the future about the wide receiver. Uh, but with uh, I, my last question is actually about your Patreon, because I just joined it today. I mentioned that before, and I'm excited about learning. And I think it's important to, you know, branch out on your weaknesses, which this is by far my, my largest weakness in general. So I do have one question. It's 
what is one thing you think people overlook with your Patreon content? Something they just seem to dismiss, they don't focus on as much as they should? Like, what's that one thing that you can think of? That's a really good question. You know, um, this time of the year, uh, so uh, let me, you know, I, I offer a variety of different things on the Patreon. Uh, and I really try to make it accessible uh, to as many folks as possible. Uh, I'm not trying to make a ton of bank for my Patreon, but, you know, as a content creator, things cost money, right? You got to pay for your stream yard. You got to pay for your podcast feeds, all those things. Um, and so uh, really the big thing, you know, I have a $1, $3, $6, $9 tier, but I try to put most of that, uh, most of the bang for the buck in that $3 tier, make it accessible. And so at that $3 tier, you get access to three things. My 2021 rookie big board, which is literally what I've been talking about right now this whole time. You click on any player, as long as I've done their tape grade already, not only are they ranked, I have 125 guys right now. It's probably going to go up to like 150, 175, which I know you're saying, why do I need to know about 150 rookies? Uh, well, you don't. You just need to pull up my, you know, pull up the big board during your draft because uh, I'm not letting myself not know about next year's James Robinson, right? If I didn't go 150 deep, we wouldn't know about James Robinson. And I'm, I didn't hit on him. So I need to go deeper this year to make sure I, I hit on next year's James Robinson. So um, but that has everything from the player summary, uh, everything I've just listed off about Hawkins. I was reading from my summary. Uh, it's got their size, their weight, my NFL draft projection, my, my uh, rookie draft projection for them, the showcase bowls they're going to, all these important things. Um, but also you get my Debbie rankings and dynasty rankings and dynasty rankings, 420 players deep. But if you're thinking about something that helps people get ahead, I love the game of Debbie fantasy football. I love it. I want to promote it. I want to grow it. For those who are not familiar with it, uh, that's actually when you pull, you have college players on your uh, team too. So it's like dynasty, but for real degenerates. Uh, and you actually get to start uh, having some of these dynasty or some of these college players, I'm sorry, on your rosters as well. And what that makes it fun, it's like you're, if you really get into this rookie season, it's like tracking these guys all year round. And so, if you're talking about an underrated thing, you know, for that same tier that you get in and you get the rookie board, hang around and just keep an eye on the Debbie board. You don't even have to, you know, be all in on Debbie. Just keep an eye on it because, um, you know, you kind of get a feel for what this next year's class is going to look like. And I have uh, over 400 players listed on the Debbie rankings as well. Everything from their Debbie value to their future fantasy football value. If you play college fantasy football, it has that value on it as well. And that will help you understand uh, because it, it's not just next year's class, right? It's the juniors, it's the sophomores, it's the freshmen. Uh, soon it will be the incoming freshmen. And that kind of gives you an idea a couple years ahead, right? Like you can pull up the Debbie big board and say, damn, there's a lot of quarterbacks in this 2022 class. And when I'm thinking about my rebuild or retool, right? Maybe I don't pay as much for these first round picks in 2021, Maybe I start paying for some some cheaper 2022 picks because when you look at that quarterback class, my I'm trying not to hype up this year's class because I need to hype <laughs> up next year's class because you're going to have uh, five to six guys in tier one of that quarterback class. Uh, you know, in, and I'm not trying to be hype, you know, hyperbolic, uh, um, you know, hyperbolic or anything, but legitimately there could be you know, it's going to be, it's going to be better than that, that Baker Mayfield, uh, Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen class. There is so much talent in that 2022 class. And you could see that just by rolling up the big board and kind of looking at that. So, you know, if, if we were talking about, you know, the most underrated thing, I think you come for the big board, you stay for the Debbie rankings. Nice. Yeah. I like that call. Cause it's something that uh, I was originally planning on getting in a Debbie league this off season, but I've just decided I need to keep what I got and uh, actually just leave leagues for the, the season. I have to mention on like every podcast, cause I need to keep reminding myself not to join new leagues. Cause you get halfway into the off season. You're like, Oh, someone's <laughs> invited me. Let's do another one. And oh, it's, <laughs> well, you know what my rule is? My rule now is that if I'm joining a new league, it has to have a unique element. I have to be challenging okay. myself in a new way. Yeah. And so you know what we do. You know, just gonna just gonna keep on down this road. We do patron only leagues, so I'm going to drag you into a Devi league this year because <laughs> I set up my Devi leagues. Some of them specifically for first time Devi folks because I want to get more people into the game. I want to grow the game because it's such a fun thing, and I want to share that excitement. So I'm gonna rope you into just one, just one, because it'll be All a right. new thing for you. All right. You can, you can definitely get me on that. Cause that's, that's the one thing that I've decided is I'm getting rid of a lot of the leagues that are the same old, same old. 
and like I want to do like a salary cap league and I want to do different stuff like that. But yeah, I mean, hey, I you you pretty much convinced me right there. So my obviously my uh, I'm not as uh, strong willed right now as I should be. <laughs> Uh, we'll give you a little while it'll it'll you know it'll feel better when when it's uh we do our startup in may or june or and you know we make it we make it beginner friendly so i think i think you'd enjoy it awesome so i had a blast tonight matt we already mentioned checking out your patreon do you have any other projects or anything also i would recommend people to check out your podcast as well with rookie drafts you know coming up in about three months start getting all the knowledge you can do you have anything else yeah um so what i would say right now is just follow me on Twitter at the FF underscore educator. I have, uh, I have some really exciting projects and things that I am literally bursting at the seams. I cannot yet uh, talk about them. Um, but I promise if you give me a follow, it's some really awesome stuff. And I'm hoping maybe by the time you're listening to this podcast, maybe I'll have, be able to talk about it already. So I'll say, you know, follow me on Twitter at the FF underscore educator. There are some really awesome things happening in my world right now in terms of content creation, but I can't talk about it just yet. So I know, you know, nobody likes that guy that's just dropping the teasers, but, uh, you know, keep an eye on the Twitter page because it's coming any day now. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Make sure to follow Matt again at the FF underscore educator. Uh, definitely a great follow knows what he's talking about. And also there's been a project I've been working on that, at, for right now, it's going to just be Patreon. It's a Superflex rookie hit rates, and I created a database from 2014 to 2019. I already talked about this a little bit. If you want to see my first post as well as Daddy, you can uh, check out my Patreon. It's just if you want to see it, just a dollar a month. Uh, it will eventually hit Twitter and also articles and such, but I want the 2020 season to finish, get that week set, the 2020 season added, make sure everything looks good before I start posting it everywhere. I'm not saying the data is bad. I'm just saying it's not 100% complete, but – it's it's interesting how one QB versus super flex. There's there's not a huge difference, honestly. And to give a little teaser, second round picks, I think are where the money's at. So so yeah. <laughs> so again, thanks Matt for coming on. Uh, uh, again, follow Matt. And if uh, if you're a new listener, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review the Sing of the Draft podcast. We're listening to podcasts. I want to again thank you all for tuning in. And let's be snakes this postseason. You know, let's get some championships and win it all. 